pray. God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations in each of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. The author and theologian Frederick Buechner says, To be wise is to be eternally curious. One way to think of eternally curious is to be everlastingly curious, or curious always. And as the people of God, used to delving into the scriptures of the Bible, we could also define eternally curious in another way, as being curious about the eternal, which is how our sacred scriptures define our God and our life with God. In the story of First Kings today, where we read about the encounter between God and the young King Solomon, this is exactly the kind of curiosity Solomon has. Curious about the eternal. Perhaps the word most commonly associated with Solomon, whether you are a Christ follower or not, whether you are a person of the book of the Bible or not, is the word wisdom. The Bible refers to Solomon as the wisest man on all the earth. Other kings and at least one queen, the queen of Sheba, come from all over the world to seek his wisdom. Solomon is credited to be the author of several books of the Bible, the Song of Solomon, and also books in what we call the wisdom literature, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and also the wisdom of Solomon. Solomon's eternal wisdom lives on for us today. And in our story today, we learn the origins of Solomon's wisdom. He was the son of the great King David. He succeeded his father David as ruler of the nation of Israel, God's covenant people, God's chosen. And like his father before him, Solomon reigned for 40 years, that is to say, for a generation. In our passage today, David has just died. This man after God's own heart, as he's often described. And Solomon is newly on the throne. While he sleeps, God comes to Solomon in a dream. God knows Solomon may need some help as he begins his reign as a young man. And loving him, in this dream, God asks him, What do you want? Solomon, what do you desire for me to give to you? So in that dream, Solomon ponders the question. And as he does, perhaps also he ponders the legacy of his father David. And one theologian writing on this asks us to consider what that pondering may have included. Solomon's reflecting and realizing how great his father King David was. He was so popular very famous as a king and very successful and ever faithful in obedience to the God of Abraham and Jacob and Isaac. David was always seeking after God's heart to walk in his ways, to learn God's will and carry it out. And God's love for David was in return. God showed steadfast love for him and made a covenant with him that we read about in 2 Samuel 
promising that David and his house and his throne would be established forever. Solomon saw that the success of his father David was deeper than worldly might. It came from something other than worldly wisdom. And Solomon understood that it was, in White's words, God's steadfast love that made David great. And in his response, David sought God's will and walked in God's ways. Solomon knows he has big shoes to fill, and he's daunted. And in this dream with God, he asks himself, how can I get to where David was and have success in ruling this nation that is much too big for me? For he knows no worldly power or wisdom can provide what he needs. So what does Solomon ask God for? He asks God for help, first of all. He asks God for discernment, to know God's will, to be able to judge between good and evil, between right and wrong. So in sum, he asks for God's wisdom. And there's a big difference between worldly wisdom and godly wisdom. Our wisdom literature in the scripture teaches us that the only difference between foolishness and wisdom is that the world tells us something that God would never tell us. If we seek after what the world says is wise, we will likely become the fool. Sean White writes, Wisdom is more than human ability to master life. It is hidden with God and has to be given to us by God. And such intimacy exists between wisdom and God that the quest for understanding and discernment will necessarily lead us into God's divine presence, into an intimacy, a loving relationship with God. It will lead us into God's dream for us, which is this intimate relationship. A friend shares a story how, as a child, he lived with a learning disability that he still lives with today as an adult. School was never fun because it was always a struggle. He struggled to get good grades. He lacked confidence. He was afraid often. He was afraid of failing, of not being good enough. And the wisdom of his world around him taught him that he should be better than that that he should be able to figure things out like the other students without needing to ask for help. Fast forward to when he was a young adult. He steered away from college or further education because school was so painful for him until a relative offered him a deal. This relative said, if you enroll in a local college, I will give you tickets to NASCAR. And at that time, in his early 20s, that appealed to him. So he enrolled in his local college. He found an area of study that fit his abilities. And he thrived, and he was getting good grades. And then a new semester came along, and he was given his class schedule, and the first class on the list listed no room number. He had no idea where to go for this class. So being a product of the wisdom of his world, he dropped out of school. 
He was not about to ask for help, afraid of being seen as a failure, so used to not being good at things. His world taught him that self-reliance was the way to go, that you shouldn't have to ask for help. And perhaps if you did, something was wrong with you. This may seem like a foolish move to some of us, that he would literally drop out of school for not knowing how to find a class and not asking for help. But the wisdom of the world might tell us to go it alone. And if your world does not include a God that is a higher and loving power, what other option might some of us have? King Solomon, the most wise man on earth, was he perfectly wise? No. Was he ever a fool? Frederick Buechner describes Solomon as the wisest fool that ever lived. And though we learn about this dream he had with God and where he had the wisdom to ask for God's wisdom, we also learn all the ways that he fell away from God's wisdom. As long as he kept with God, his life and kingdom thrived. And he was blessed with many worldly treasures, great wealth and fame and power. He was blessed with those things that he did not ask God for, that so pleased God that he did not ask for. But these things of the world called to Solomon as they do to any human on this earth. And they start getting loud, and they say, Cling to me, for in in me you will find your worth here on earth. You will know success. You will never lack in body or spirit. So seek after this worldly wisdom of great wealth and power and esteem. These things got hold of Solomon, and then he held tightly to them. And his, his vision of his mind and heart began to be clouded. And he started to do the things that God in the Torah, the book of the law in the Bible, said not to do. For God knows as soon as we humans do some of these things, we will fall away from God's wisdom and be left dangling by ourselves, out of relationship with God who loves us. God said, don't take foreign wives, for they worship gods that are not me. They will bring their God and their worship into your household, and you will begin to act as they do. Solomon had over 700 wives, 300 concubines. A lot of these marriages were made for political alliances, to gain power and a foothold in the world around him. To sustain his great and growing empire, Solomon subjected many of his people into the burden of servitude to help build his palace, to help build the temple of God. Thousands were enslaved under this burden. When we don't live with God's wisdom, we don't always do a good job of taking care of one another or building up the community around us as God would have us. So the peaceful and thriving rule in the kingdom that Solomon knew would soon crumble. 
And out of love and devotion to David and God's covenant with David, God tells Solomon later in 1 Kings that your kingdom will be torn away, but not in your lifetime because of David, but your sons will suffer and your kingdom will be torn away from your son. In our passage from Ephesians today, we hear the Apostle Paul writing to a community, an early church, a congregation, much like, much like ours. And he warns them to be careful because as humans in the world surrounded by the, the draw of worldly wisdom, they may slip and they too may fall away from God's wisdom. So Paul says, live as wise people as people of God, not as fools. Paul writes often about foolishness, and as followers of Christ, how it is good to be a fool for Christ. For Christ took away that the world and the wisdom of the world absolutely calls foolish. But Paul reminds us that it's always worth it. When we are fools for Christ, we are wise in the ways of God. And we know a true relationship with God. And we know how better to take care of one another and to build up our community in love. Many of us were troubled this week, and it was even on the news again this morning, about a real-life example of how the church, the community of God's people, when falling away from God's wisdom, can fail to take care of God's people. When the report came out this week of, once again, the abuses of children by the Catholic Church, by our brothers and sisters in Christ, for decades, hundreds of priests abused thousands of children, destroying spirits and lives. And leaders of the church covered up these abuses for decades. The grand jury's report on this is chilling to read where it shows case after case of cover-ups, where victims, these children, are encouraged or threatened not to speak up, and law enforcement is convinced to remain silent, and files of reports showing the bishops and leaders of the church favoring the priests at the expense of the child victims. One report even exclaiming, We won! Again. This is a case of the community forgetting how to take care of their people, God's people. Is there evil in the world? Absolutely. Are any of us immune from it? No, not one. God gave us free will, and as long as there is will in the world to not follow God, we will all be tempted by or subjected to evil and the suffering it brings on. And this is why we have God's dream before us today. God does have a dream for us. Because as people of faith, no matter what our religion, when worldly wisdom begins to attract us and say, I will take care of you, I will show you the way, I will show you how to protect your reputation, your institution, your security, whether socially or financially, evil is finding a foothold in us. So Paul writes to the church and to us today, be sure to be a fool for Christ 
and stick together as you seek God's wisdom so you too can discern evil from good because the evil of the world will begin to look like God's good and my will will begin to look like God's will and I may be falling astray and not even know. God comes to each of us today as God did to Solomon asking what do you want me to do for you? What do you desire? What is your dream? And all the while God has a dream that we would choose as Solomon did to know God's will and God's good wisdom that will lead us always into intimate and loving relationship that will strip away any fear we have of not knowing something, of not knowing how to ask how to get somewhere, of not being good enough, any fear that we're going to lose something in this world. For God says, I am all you need. The great King Solomon wrote in the scriptures, the beginning of wisdom is the fear of our eternal God. Fear meaning awe or honor. And Jesus says in the Gospels, you know that Solomon was the wisest on all the earth, but look, someone greater and wiser than Solomon is here. And it is me, your brother, the son of the eternal God. In the old hymn, we sing, what a friend we have in Jesus. Jesus, our brother. Jesus, full of the wisdom of God, unmatched by any human. This Jesus who says to us, come to me and keep company with me. For I do not give to you as the world gives that is fleeting, that is never going to be enough for you, no matter what it promises. I give you a joy and a peace beyond your understanding. And in Matthew 6:33, Jesus says, Seek first God's kingdom, God's will, God's righteousness, and everything else will fall into place. Friends, this is God's dream for us. And may we share God's dream today in Christ. Amen.